0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1, Lord, open eyes and and clean out ears. Help us hear, God, what we need to hear today for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now the background here is the Pharaoh of Egypt had invaded Babylon and uh, the Babylonians not only defeated the Egyptians, but they totally wiped out the army and it changed the whole balance of power uh, in the Middle East and uh, really as far, you know, it impacted the East as as well. Uh, But uh, the short of it is the Babylonians were now a a new regional power and uh much like today the world was changing fast and it wasn't a light thing when when a nation became a world power because typically their culture uh began to dominate all the cultures that uh were submitted to them and also You know every nation had to pay taxes to this country meaning a lot of the wealth of these countries was sent to babylon so you know it's a big change i mean the people dealing with new cultures and and new taxation and and new laws and some things that were okay one day or not okay the next day because the babylonians didn't didn't tolerate and all the race the rest you know the only thing constant in this world other than god is change and the, the world at this point was going through radical and major changes. And it says in verse 2, and the Lord, and that's important because it wasn't the devil, gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of this Gentile king. And to onlookers, it looked like, you know, God couldn't protect his own people. But the prophets and and Moses had had warned for centuries, hey, guys, if you continue to stray, God's going to give you over into the hands of your enemies. But here's the sobering, real sobering fact about freedom. We are free to choose, but we are never free from the consequences of our choices. And Here's the deal, too. This might explain the heart of God and sometimes why he weeps, even though he's the one that uh, uh, said that certain uh, edicts ought to be. You know, God approves of his consequences. He He, he approves of rewards and punishments. But he's brokenhearted by the choices we make that lead us into those consequences. So he doesn't want any to perish. But it's like, you know, listen, guys, it's not that I shouldn't judge and I, I shouldn't be just. It's just I don't want that for you. And it breaks my heart when you make a choice. Well, I got to be a way I don't really want to be. And, and this is what goes on in the heart and mind of God. I got to be fair. I got to be just uh, but, but, but at the same time, I don't want you to, to have to bump into my justice. Does that make sense to you? All right. So the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of this Babylonian king. Along with the king, some of the articles of the house of God uh, were carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of the Babylonians' God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God, Baal. And here's the deal. Because of the unfaithfulness of God's people, the Babylonians we see here were able to take some of the sacred items from God's temple and put them into the Babylonian temple. And the challenge here is that um, this happening or this occurring caused the Babylonians to start to think that Baal, sometimes called Nebo, was somehow greater than the God of Israel. So when we falter, you know, God knows why he has to discipline us, but the watching world doesn't understand. And sometimes, you know, God having to deal with us can bring a reproach on him. And this is what's happening, and, and, and at this point, again, the articles that were in the temple and now in this, this other temple, and, and it seems that, you know what, Buddha, Allah, you know, uh, Jesus, and Muhammad, they're all on the same plane, and they're all in one temple. It, it doesn't seem that God is great and God is powerful because he's actually in the temple of a pagan god, his, his articles are worse. Verse 3, then the Babylonian king instructed Asphanez, the master of his eunuchs, To bring some of the children of israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the king's nobles before we dig into this his uh, nebuchadnezzar's goal here he's he's a smart man was he was trying to gain the loyalty of the next generation so what he did is he offered these young people the the best food the best accommodations uh, some of the best opportunities and he was he was trying to get them all on his team verse four they were young men in whom there was no blemish these were the best In the brightest of Israel. Members of the first string football team, basketball team, wrestling team, all of those guys he selected and called to himself. It also says they were good looking. I mean, these were the heartthrobs, the babe magnets, if you will. All the guys that had a little bit of game, he called them close to be trained in his house. He found the young people that were gifted in all wisdom. See, it wasn't just looks he was after. He also wanted the young people that got the grades and the people that were excelling in school, possessing knowledge. So he looked for the kids that read the Washington Post before they went to school in the morning. He he looked for the kids that were on the debate team. Then it says, and those quick to understand. So he gathered all of the young people that were quick, you know, uh, could think on their feet. They were sharp with their tongues. And, and he gathered all these people and says, Uh, those who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. The whole goal of this was assimilation, so he picked the very best So he can assimilate them into Babylonian culture and make sure that they would not be major leaders in Israel that would rise up and oppose them because he'd make these young leaders love him and, and serve him. But here's the deal. This says something about Daniel, a little more of a Bible study today than than anything else. We see that in order for Daniel to be part of this group, he had to have a whole lot of natural talents. And we see here, Daniel was talented enough to live an incredibly uh, wonderful life, but under all of these external qualities, and, and in this room, we have some very qualified people, very, very able people, but what's underneath is what matters. Underneath all of these qualities, Daniel had something that set him apart from everyone else. And there was one word, Integrity. You see, any success without integrity is a failure. And the king appointed for them these men that he's wooing and he's trying to impress and make love him. He appointed them daily provisions from the king's very own delicacies and of the wine which he drank, the very best wine, and three years of schooling or training for them. So these young men were living the good life. And he did this so that at the end of time they might serve the king. Nothing in this fallen world is free. The devil is always working an angle. You know, you thought that first vial of crack was free. No, it wasn't. He was working on something. You hear what I'm saying? Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel. Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, a whole lot of boys that they selected, but there were four standouts. And in their names, you know, uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah, all of their names spoke of their God. You see, it's only God who really has the authority to tell you who you are. You know, Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Michelle, uh, means who is what God is Azariah means Yahweh is a helper so we see that their personal identity was was rooted in their relationship with god that 's important so the first thing the devil wanted to do was was to change their identities and you know it 's so easy to lose yourself when you start answering uh, to names other people start calling you wow. It says, to them, the four Hebrew boys, the chief of the eunuchs gave the, these new names. He gave to Daniel the name Belshazzar, which actually means old lady, who's the, the wife of the god Bells, who he was talking to, protect the king. So it's like praying to Mary here. To Hananiah, Shadrach, which literally means I am fearful of the god Oku, who is the moon god. Michelle, he called Meshach which uh, means who is like the moon god instead of who is like our god, but who is like the moon god. And to Azariah, abed meaning servant of Nebo. So, you know, here's the deal. People can call me what they like, but it's what I answer to in my heart that really, really matters. But verse 8 is, is the shift here. But Daniel purposed in his heart. People were calling him things that he was not, trying to make him into something that he was not. But the Bible says here, this boy had heart. You see, character is what you do when you have every excuse not to do what you ought to do. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Y'all call me what you want. But I know who I am and whose I am and whom I serve. He was like, I, I, I see what's going on. You got to watch the angle sometimes. He was like, uh-uh, Mr. King, I want to be respectful and everything, but I'm not going out like that. So he proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies or with the wine which he drank. He was saying, God, please help me not to compromise. Amid such overwhelming temptation, here's something we need to understand both culturally and practically. Free cheese is always found in a mousetrap. Stay woke. Stay woke. Stay woke. Therefore, he requested that he might not defile him this was a very, very brave move here. Because in this part of the world, eating a meal with someone was uh, more than, than just eating food. You know, we'll eat with just about anybody. But uh, it, it represented, yeah, friendship. And to reject a meal was to reject that person. It was like a smack in the face. This is why to, to the Eastern mind, when, when Judas did what he did at the Last Supper... They were like, how could he do something so treacherous? You know, we just know that there was a final supper and then Judas did his thing. But, 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 but those people, people from that part of the world knew the culture. He was like, how could this man eat with Jesus and then just a few minutes later sell him out? When you ate with someone, it was a covenant. That's why when Jesus ate with sinners, everyone got upset. Because they were like, well, why are you eating with sin? Why are you having this relationship with sinners? But God, Jesus like, that's the only type of people I know on earth. There's only sinners down here. So, you know, they, that sin might not be your sin, but uh, here's the deal. I'm going to eat with them because I'm going to eat with you. You know, y'all might look a little different in what you do, but y'all just about the same. Yeah. But what we need to understand, like, you know, as, as it relates to Judas, if we are ever cut off from God, it's only because we use the scissors. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. You know, Daniel was uncompromising in his principles, but we can have principles without being obnoxious. Right. Amen. You can stand up for what's right without being a complete jerk. How many of you know we, 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 we can do that? There's a way to do these things. When you, when you look at Daniel's life, actually, he fought most of his life within the rules. And the only time he broke the rules was when he said, you can't pray to your God anymore. And that's when he said, you know what? When when the rules of my culture go against the the word of the living God, I got to pick God. But here's the deal. You would think that people hated him for this. But actually, people loved and respected him for this because the Bible said he had favor with the chief eunuchs. They respected him, and they they recognized that this was a man of of character and, and integrity. I want to give you three very quick principles on how to disagree without being disagreeable. How many of you want to learn how to do that? Married people, pay attention, okay? Number one, mind your tone. Be mindful of your tone. MIT researcher Michael Strain says this, if your voice is raised because humiliating and demeaning people is part of who you are, you got issues. But if raising your voice, how many of you saw The Darkest Hour with uh, Winston Churchill? <laughs> Nobody, just me. Well, I watched it on the plane here. It was an incredible movie. Um, boy, that was not a great illustration, right? But, but if you do happen to watch it, uh, he was brutal but it was also his personality and we see it he ends the quote by saying this again this is not a christian this is a researcher he says but if raising your voice because you care and you raise your voice because it's part of who you are as a person and a communicator your employees should have the courtesy and professionalism to respect that meaning you know we're all wired a little bit differently some of us a little more intense some of us are are a little more dramatic and we got to allow people to be themselves and one of the challenges is we try to make people into things they're not, and they got high blood pressure, and it kills them. And if you know me, I'm expressive, and I got to communicate. And I try so hard to be a mouse, I can't do it. it. It's killing me half the time, trying to be what people want me to be. I need to be able to say what I want to say, and with the tone I need to say. And I'm not being hateful, I'm being me, okay? And if you know me, you, you, you can handle that, okay? But I never try to put anybody down. I don't ever want to demean anybody. And I I'll stand, I stand. don't like being in the presence where people are, are put down and rest. But, but I got to be able to be passionate because that's who I am. All right, number two, avoid you statements, especially to married people. But for those of you that, you know, can relate to this professionally, let me put it in a professional context. Okay, so somebody's asked you to do something you want to do, and you, you're like, well, you always ask me to do things at the last minute when you know that I already have my hands full. How many of y'all know that's combative? That's combative. Yeah. Just focus on the action you want. Instead of blaming her, you always focus on what you want, not putting it on her personally immediately. Am I preaching good? I, I think I'm, I'm talking about some good stuff. So, So... So this is how you're supposed to respond, and I'm learning to respond, okay? You say, honey, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed by the amount of work on my plate. Is there anyone else that can do that for you? (laughs) See, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Without you always, you ain't, you ain't, you don't gotta do that. Just state the outcome. You won't. And this last one, number three, goes without saying. Monitor your body language. Rolling the eyes. Now, you ain't saying nothing, but you done said something. Getting into that other person's space or using your finger in their face. Avoid at all times. That's aggressive. So we see Daniel had convictions and he had a sense of what was right and wrong, but he carried himself in a way. There was a level of grace about him that people still liked him and and, and people listened to them. In fact, he made people cooperate with him, even though what he was asking put them in danger. So we can disagree without being disagreeable. Verse 10. And the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces look worse than a young man who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. He was saying, Daniel, I like you and all and everything, and then you know what, I enjoy your comedy, but but you're about to get me killed, Daniel. And he's saying, Daniel, I'm responsible for you. And if you look bad to the king, I look bad. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had sent over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, and this is what I wanted to show you today. It's not always the team with the best players that wins. It's the players with the best team that wins. And all church is, is connecting your Daniels, your Hananias, your Michelle's, and Azariah, and sticking together until each player wins. So church is all of us coming together with our distinctive, standing up for righteousness and and, and encouraging one another to to do this thing wiser and better, And, and we all stay on the field until each of us wins. Stay with me in verse 12. Please test. This is amazing. See, a lot of people with principles, it's like y'all heathen. Y'all, 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 y'all. Da, la, la, la. You tell people off when they don't do what you want. But watch the way Daniel handles this. He said, please. First of all, he was polite. How many of y'all know that could go a long way? If just we were polite in half our conversations where well, we disagree with people, half the problems would go out right out the door. He said, please, please don't cost you nothing to say. Please test your servants. What cannot be tested should not be trusted. He said, please. Well, woman, I told you, please. Please don't caution. It won't hurt you. Please. Test your servants for 10 days. Now notice again, when the eunuch disagreed with Daniel's request, he didn't stomp out of the office. He didn't start throwing dishes. He, he, he didn't start breaking things. There were no ugly names. It was the, none of that. Daniel came up with an idea. And by the way, I've been working on something. I've been thinking about something. And, 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 you know, as a pastor, you know, this tithing issue is a challenge for a lot of people. Don't raise your hand if it's you. But how many of y'all know that it's a challenge for a lot of people? Raise your hand if you know that. Okay. Y'all even scared to raise your hand? for? Okay. I'm not. I, well, what I decided to do instead of fussing with y'all. Later this year, we're going to have a 90-day challenge. And what we're going to do, if, if anyone begins to tithe faithfully for 90 days and it doesn't change their life, Grace will give you your tithe back. That's exactly how the trustees are looking at me. Here's the deal. I'm not interested in your money, I'm interested in you experiencing your God on a different level. And if it don't work, so we might have just outsmarted the devil. But what he said is, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. You see, God knows how to make us more with less. See, that's, that's the nature of America. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.